ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to Cinematic Ventures Podcast. Gabriel is here. I'm going to be your host today, and we have a couple of interesting topics. Uh, I decided to do something a little bit different this week, and it is discussing a couple of topics that are very popular in certain, I guess, areas of the cinematic world. And I don't want to waste any more time and just I want to get right to it. I want to start with first there was this interesting uh, discussion that happened over the weekend as I'm recording this which is on February 19th, 2024. There was this interesting discussion about this YouTuber and full disclosure I'm not really um, following a lot of those YouTubers. Yes, I've seen but I've seen some videos, but I have a pretty basic uh, understanding of some of their videos. But it's not about the output, the overall output of this YouTuber, Chris Stuckman. And I'm sure uh, film fans who are spending time on YouTube, they know this guy. And I've seen some of his videos before. But this specific video that people were really commenting a lot on social media. And when I say social media, it is from my research on Twitter. Now, uh, I'm basically a lurker on Twitter. I, I don't really post anything. I don't respond. For me, it's simply an observation. And I'm curious just to see what is the dynamic in not just the cinematic world, just everywhere. And I get it. I get it. Maybe Twitter or X, maybe it's not the right place for that. We all know uh, that it could be quite rough being there. But still, it gives a like an under, uh, it gives an idea of what it's like out there. And it was this huge discussion that happened around his video basically supporting Madam Web, the new superhero movie from Sony that came out less than a week ago, actually. And I'm sure if you guys are following the news or just following just just the basic follow on social media and how people are reacting to movies, I'm sure you know that this movie was really panned from critics criticized by certain audience members it's not something we haven't seen before right so the idea of this short little clip that people that got almost viral among the among the members of film twitter was that he was basically saying to go easy on the movie to be more positive about the movie that was the overall uh, view. To be more respectful for, for the filmmakers because of how difficult it is to put a movie. And I don't want to get, go d- deep into it because I've been having this discussion. I've, I've brought up this topic many times back in the day. And including now in the last few months with the podcast. So uh, this is not something that I haven't discussed before. But what I'm going to say is I really appreciate and admire what he did with that little video because it's something that I've been saying for for a while now that when we're criticizing a piece of art we should try to see all of the aspects of it not just to go oh the screenplay sucked or the line that she said didn't, didn't really land with me or uh, or the way this character was dressed and everything or uh, the acting and all of that yes in your opinion and in a person's personal subjective opinion maybe these things don't work perfectly fine but when you have film the film world the film I guess fandom and not just the film fandom You would even see certain actors, performers. Again, they're also people. Just because we see someone on on camera, it doesn't mean they're not real people. I remember when I first sat foot on a film set, my first job on a film set was in 2002. Uh, I was just a young buck back then, really, really young. But even back then, I remember thinking, oh, that's, that's a job. (laughs) because we all have this, well, uh, I don't have it anymore because I got to see it firsthand, but the people who had never been, who had never been on a film set, they uh, always have this impression because they see the film actors, directors, writers, they see them most of the time on the red carpet. That's the only thing, that's the visual that people connect when they hear an actor, a movie star, a director. 
basically all of the glamorous photographs on the red carpet. But this red carpet event, it's just a small little itsy bitsy tiny piece in the whole puzzle. In reality, it's a lot of work. It's hard work, like really, really hard work. It's a lot of waiting. It's, it's an exhausting job, but we only get to see the, the glamorous part of it. But anyway, that's not the point of the conversation. The conversation is we have to keep that in mind. All of these aspects when it comes to making movies. Yes, including studio interference and what it's like for a younger director or a director with just one credit or, or, a, or a complete debutante, whatever, whatever it is. It's a lot of pressure and I get it. I totally get it. I know what people are going to say. Oh, that doesn't really affect how I feel about the movie as, an, as a work of art, right? It shouldn't affect it. How the movie was made, what happened behind the scenes, I don't care about that. I'm paying for a product. I want to be entertained. And guess what? Yes, you're right by saying this. You're absolutely right. But if you want to offer, if you, if you end up not liking the movie, right? You have to offer a bit more than, oh, this movie sucks or this sucks or just dunking on it. It's really important to understand. And first and foremost, this is my main, main goal when I, when I discuss this is even if every single critic online or on those websites like Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, whatever, whatever it is, even if every single critic hates that movie, it doesn't mean the movie will never have an audience or the movie should be completely canceled or erased from existence. Not at all. So that's the main thing with me. And that's the thing that I always try to explain and display through this platform is perfectly fine if you don't like a movie, but don't wish for that movie. Don't dunk on that movie in a way that you wish for that movie to disappear or discouraging people from ever seeing it. People who probably have very different tastes than you. So that's the idea that I have and is obviously connected with the way we criticize movies. So when he, uh, when this YouTuber, Chris, he got heat from certain groups of people who said, oh, you're not a film critic. If you're not, if you're afraid to say something bad about a movie, you think it's bad. It makes you a bad critic and all of that. And I would argue against that. Now, Yes, I get it. It's one thing to be a fanboy if you're just saying all of the good stuff and if there's nothing that bothers you. And even if there is nothing that bothers you, good for you, right? What happened? That, that, that's my only, I guess, gripe with this. What happened with being positive? Why we're so much against positivity? Just because a movie like Madam Webb was panned by the critics and yes some audience members just regular joes watching the movie why are we dunking so hard on the movie why we are dead set on erasing that movie or acting like it's the worst thing ever made and that no one should ever see it or if someone sees it and god forbid enjoys the movie why should we react with laughter and and undermining those people and acting like they're less of us. They have no taste. They don't know anything about movies. That's the big problem. I'm not against people not criticizing. It's perfectly fine. Now, trashing and bashing, that's totally different. But when you completely undermine a person or you actively work against a movie, you wish for the movie to completely fail. You feel uh, you're, you're enjoying it. It's like this sick perversion of wanting something that you don't know those people. They haven't done anything to you. And by all accounts, these are not bad people. So why would you wish for something to be a failure if you are a film fan? And a lot of people, again, they make the mistake in a lot of the comments and a lot of the reactions they're going, oh, this is this is really a bad movie. And they are saying it with such conviction that they're actually expecting every single person out there to agree. They go, oh yeah, of course, your opinion is my opinion too. And I always, always 
try to make it clear and to be the buffer and to be the guy who's balancing things like, okay, understood. You don't like this movie. Even if you're gleeful, if you're super happy that the movie is failing and you're just having this weird enjoyment out of this whole situation. Okay, good for you. Whatever floats your boat. But don't try to stop others from enjoying it. Don't attack others for saying that they've enjoyed it. Even if, as I mentioned, every single critic, even if a filmmaker, even if a filmmaker himself or herself says they, uh, they're disappointed by the movie or whatever, it doesn't mean that this specific piece of art doesn't have the right to exist and that people have no right to enjoy it. And we see it. History proves this right. When you look back on so many movies, especially now, I would say in the last year, there's been this huge rediscovery of so many movies that when you go back, when they were released, they were trashed and bad, just completely destroyed. And you can only imagine what would have been like if there was the internet back then when some of those movies were released. So the fact that time heals and future generations might be kinder to a specific art, whether it's, a, whether it's a song or a book or a movie, that's the thing that I've always railed against, this inquisition like immediate execution of a movie. If a movie fails at the box office or fails with critics or both, it doesn't mean the movie is worthless. It doesn't mean that no one should be watching the movie. No, not at all. It didn't work for a specific group of people. It failed at the box office for whatever reason. Yes, even if you argue, even if you argue that 99% of the people who saw it hated it, even though we can't really prove any of that. But let's say, for the sake of argument, even then, the movie is out there. People are going to discover the movie. There will be an audience. And yes, yes, unfortunately, there are some movies who end up being forgotten. It happens. That's just how it is. But there are plenty of examples, plenty of examples of movies that have been rediscovered by future audiences. And currently, we see so many examples of that, of movies that were completely undermined, completely tanked box office-wise. And obviously, we have huge examples like Fight Club, right? And uh, even Starship Troopers, when it came out, there was a huge backlash. But it's a movie that people keep rediscovering over and over again. So this is my, as, I, as I've always said it, this is my plea to film fans, filmmakers as well, because they're also watching movies, they're judging movies. It's perfectly fine not to enjoy a movie, but don't wish for the death of a movie unless it personally affects you in one way or another, or you were screwed by the directors or whatever. I get that if that's the situation. But if you're just a viewer and this is just a movie and you have no connection whatsoever to it, to completely dunk on it like we're seeing with Madame Webb, like these, almost like a meme happening, like it was the case with Morbius uh, a year ago, I believe. And I remember there was this post I saw in one of the groups, I believe it was on Facebook, of someone who, just a smart normal guy, clearly intelligent guy, and he posted on, on that group, oh, I watched Morbius and I had a good time. I enjoyed the movie. And immediately, I would say 70% of the reactions were of snark, making fun of the guy, laughing, joking at his expense, like, how can you like such a bad movie? You have no taste. That's the problem, ladies and gentlemen that we are so in tune with this narrative that people create on social media, this belief that once a movie is branded a certain way, a failure, or a critic's failure, or a box office failure, like you can't shake it off. It stays forever. So the belief is that this is an accepted fact. And if you say otherwise, if you say you enjoy it, 
you're a loser with no taste and you know nothing about cinema and you should never watch movies and you should never have a debate about movies because your opinion sucks. That's wrong, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure you know it and I'm sure it also bothers you. It bothers all of us, but unfortunately, this is the kind of behavior that's now accepted and it's not something new. It's been happening since forever. Social media is just like now is a magnifying glass. It's just every single person with an internet connection and smartphone can have a Twitter account and they can post whatever they like. And this post can, could go viral. And a lot of people would live under the impression that, oh yeah, Madam Webb, if, oh my God, I'm, I'm afraid to say that I enjoy the movie because if I say I will be the butt of old jokes, people will make fun of me. So I'm just not going to say anything or I'm just going to dunk on it as well. I'm going to make fun of it. I'll say it's the crappiest movie ever made and all of that and this or that. And I get it. There are other, uh, there are other factors that are also contributing to this. Uh, there was this report about uh, the main actress, uh, Dakota Johnson, and her interviews. And some people were uh, not happy with those interviews. They, they found them annoying or whatever, whatever. But again, we shouldn't let this. This is a distraction. What this young lady is saying, that's her opinion. She did her job as an actor in the movie. Whether you like the performance or not, completely subjective. And going back to the YouTuber, Chris, who made the video and said, we have to be a bit more positive. We have to respect the filmmakers and how difficult it is. And there could be studio interference. It doesn't mean that by saying this, he's a studio shill. It doesn't mean he's working for the studio. And I've heard some uh, complaints that he is saying all of this because he is now a filmmaker himself and he wants to obviously, uh, according to those people, curry a favor with the studios because he's afraid that if he says something bad in the future, they may not employ him if he ends up really directing big movies. So again, I'm not in his mind. I don't know the reasons, but I'm always going back to this. Why do we have to cherry pick everything why should oh why are we always so our first reaction towards everything why is it always anger negativity why and when someone shows a little bit of positivity a little bit of hey let's okay you didn't like the movie but madam webb oh, but what do you think of the cinematography it's mauro fiore he did avatar he did The Island, some of the most beautifully shot movies with masters of visual of the visual craft like Jim Cameron, Michael Bay. But you're not going to hear in any of the complaints or any uh, any of the uh, of the mentionings when you see in uh, when you see all of the tags of Madame Webb. You just see the regular stuff. Oh, it sucks, or it's just another woke movie with. Uh, women in charge and all of that, you know, the usual complaints that you would hear on Twitter, but to actually dig deep and go for, oh, okay, so let me just calm down. Yes, maybe there, there are certain things that I don't like about this movie and all of that, but it's still a movie that's done by professionals, like proven successful professionals. So we have to appreciate that. This is not an amateur. And even if you hate it, even if you don't like it, there must be a something, there must be something that you appreciate. But of course, people won't go there. Once they hate something, they just stick to it. You can't level with them. If you ask them, oh, what do you think of, about the editing? Maybe it was a little bit there. What do you think of the connection of the scenes, right? What do you think of the cinematography, the score, all of this, the location work? There must be something, right? Movies, movies, it's, it's more than just the lines that the actors are reading. This is not a book. There's so many aspects to it. But of course, people don't go there. It's very shallow, the way that a lot of people are looking and judging movies nowadays. Because the point of our world, our social media obsessed world, is to be quick, to be fast, try to be clever, snarky as well, and obviously to post something negative. Because if you post something positive, chances are no one will care. But if you're being negative, snarky, 
like really, really snarky and you just dunk on something. Of course, people pay attention because negativity sells. And unfortunately, it's always been that way. Again, this is not something new. This is something that's been happening since forever. So as a little recap of everything and just to say it again, I respect what this YouTuber did, Chris Stuckman. You can check it out, guys. You can go on, on Twitter, just type Chris Stuckman, I believe was his name. Hopefully I'm not mispronouncing it. It's easy to find. It's easy to find uh, the little video that he posted. I respect what he did. I appreciate people like him who, even if that's not his usual shtick, right? Because some people say that he used to be hateful in the past, all of that. It doesn't matter. Fact of the matter is, for once in this little moment, he decided, let's try to be a, be a bit more positive. Because there's nothing wrong. Again, this is not against people who criticize. Of course not. Constructive criticism is always welcome. Filmmakers will say it. But when you're dunking on something and you're just being, being nasty and mean and snarky for for no good reason, actually. You don't like a movie? Fine, good for you. But don't go on a mission trying to stop or influence the rest of the population not to see it because you didn't like it. Because that's the beauty of cinema. Even the most despised by critics or whatever movie can have their audience. So it's really, really important to be a little bit more respectful a little bit more understanding of how movies are made. Again, it doesn't mean you're not allowed to dislike a movie, but you have to be a bit more educated when it comes to criticizing movies. If you really want to dig deep, if you're just a regular viewer and it's like you're watching TV show and you say, oh, didn't work for me, sucked. Moving on, watching something else. Fair enough. It's perfectly fine. But if you want to, if you want to really be one of those people who are going deep, analyzing movies, really caring about the craft, the art of filmmaking, you have to put some effort and you have to do better than this sucks or making fun of the writer that he wrote six other comic book movies or something that failed at the box office and all of that. This is just nastiness. It's completely unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. And again, there is a difference. As I always say, and it's one of the things that I love to remind people is there is a right way of saying something and a wrong way of saying something. It's one thing to offer constructive criticism. If you don't like something, you can say, look, I appreciate the effort that I went into this movie, but it didn't work to me. It didn't work for me because of this, because of that. That's how it's done. But when you start trashing and bashing and attacking filmmakers and, and the cast and crew personally, that's crossing the line. And that's never welcomed. So this is, as you can see, guys, this is a big, big topic. And um, I would love to have like a podcast discussion with other people. So maybe I'm going to arrange something like that because... Unfortunately, we will keep seeing this kind of behavior of, of people who are, I don't doubt that they're interested in cinema. That's the problem that a lot of those people who are dunking on movies, they are interested in cinema. They know about movies. I don't deny that. And I'm always supporting other film fans, encouraging them. But this kind of behavior, this thriving on negativity and spreading it like wildfire and just enjoying it. That's wrong. That's wrong. It's always been wrong. It is wrong. It'll continue to be wrong. So this is where I want to stop with this one. I will most likely continue it uh, in the future because, as I mentioned, these things will continue to happen. But now, moving on to something that I'm very, very passionate about. And um, we actually saw it a few days ago during the Super Bowl. And uh, it's actually the release of Twister 2, titled Twisters. So let me start about Twister first. Now, I realize there are a lot of other 
movies coming out this year. You have the sequel to Dune. A lot of people are excited about that. There are other big movies coming out. So I get that Twisters is not really the number one most anticipated movie of the year. I haven't really looked at any of the researches, any of that. But as far as I'm concerned, it's arguably my most anticipated movie of the year. And having seen the trailers, I'm recording this, the trailer's available. Guys, if you still haven't seen it, go ahead, check it out. Just type Twisters, Twister trailer, and you're going to see it in all its glory. Now, I could say that I I was growing up a bit of a fanboy for the original Twister. And it's a movie that when I was growing up, it was a really, it still is, it still is a very, very important movie when it comes to my upbringing. Number one, it really made me probably the biggest fan of Bill Paxton. And it's, um, it's difficult, difficult talking about it, knowing that we lost Bill and we lost him like six, seven years ago, which is incredible. I feel like it was yesterday and... I still have moments where I really can't believe that he's gone because growing up as a millennial, he was and still is such an incredible part of me growing up as a film fan and just enjoying his work because I was never personally, I was never one of those film fans who just like the big movie star. Right? Like, oh, Brad Pitt or, or George Clooney or, or Tom Cruise. Now, I love those guys. They're great. They're movie stars for a reason, of course. And I will always support their movies. But Bill was always incredibly likable to me in movies. And just thinking about the movies that I really, really love, like A Simple Plan. If you guys haven't seen A Simple Plan, Sam Raimi, Billy Bob Thornton, Brent Briscoe, may he rest in peace as well, and of course, Bill Paxton, and Bridget Fonda, actually. One of my favorite movies, it's a very understated movie, very, I would say, also underrated movie. It didn't really perform well at the movie theaters, but it definitely gathered an audience in the years since. And from that movie, that was in 98, it came out. And the late, I would say throughout the 90s, especially the um, the second half of the 90s, Bill, uh, Bill was on a roll, starting with, obviously, Twister. And one of the things that I really appreciate about Twister, aside from Bill Paxton, of course, is Helen Hunt. She gives an incredible performance as Joe. It's just incredibly likable character, uh, a, a powerful character. She's not like a damsel in distress. And I think she uh, she definitely got a lot of uh, goodwill from that movie, rightfully so. Of course, most people talk about the next year when she got an Oscar for As Good As It Gets. And she was great. She was absolutely great. But in terms of enjoying and really a fun performance, really energetic performance, I would, I would just, I would always watch her in Twister. There's just no question. So having Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt leading that movie, which is like a hundred million dollar and the visual effects themselves, ILM, what they did and still watching the movie, just, I saw the movie again, like a week ago on Blu-ray and my God, guys, if you have a chance to watch Twister on a good, good sized screen, on Blu-ray, or I'm not sure if there's 4K release yet of the movie, but Blu-ray quality with good audio system, you have to watch the movie. It, I don't like this term when people say it holds up because it seems like it's, it's like this desire of people like, oh, this is old movie or dated or anything like that. And I always argue like, uh, I don't go against movies just because they're quote unquote dated. You have to keep in mind when a movie was made, what was the technology, what was the whole situation when the movie was made. You can't compare a movie that was made in 1941 in terms of, let's say, like a creature feature 
like one of those B-movies from the 50s. You can't compare it to uh, the latest Godzilla movie, of course. They're made in different times. So of course one would look much dated. So I never liked this criticism and I don't like when people say, oh, it's dated or not dated. No, not at all, not at all. And that's one of the things that I really, really admire and always appreciate about Twister is how the actual CGI that ILM did, it is like it was done yesterday. And in a way, I would argue this is just my opinion, I always say, right? Uh, this is not something that you guys are forced to agree. But in my opinion, it even looks better than a lot of the CGI that we see today. Because nowadays, obviously, a lot of the movies, most of them, if not all, big studio movies are shot on digital. So everything looks so airbrushed, so clean, so like almost like a plastic, almost like a video game. And it, it could be a little bit distracting, but when you watch something from the mid or late 90s like Twister, it's the effects are absolutely groundbreaking, absolutely amazing. They don't look cartoonish or fake, but also the grain, just the fact that it was shot on film and the grain is out there. It makes it, again, this is very, very uh, tricky part. It's very difficult to explain with words. It's something that you feel watching the movie. And when it comes to that, the movie is just delivering big time. And another thing about Twister, and I'll get to Twister 2, Twisters, and why I'm personally excited and why I think you guys should see the movie. But one thing about the first Twister that is, I think, one of the biggest reasons, honestly, or okay, maybe not one of the biggest reasons, but certainly a big reason for the movie's success. And it is Mark Mancina's absolutely incredible, just, I can't even find the word to describe it, score. One of the best scores, as far as I'm concerned, in my humble opinion, one of the best scores, not just of the 90s, I would say ever. It's certainly in my own top 10 because I'm a film score guy. I love film scores. Now, I'm not a composer. I'm not good at that. I can hold the camera and, uh, and control it and all of that, but I can, uh, I'm good with locations, but actual composing of score, I'm just a fan. I, I could never do what those guys are doing. I, I just admire what they do. And I think Mark, this was peak Mark Mancina. Obviously, he did just a few years before that. He did, again, with Jan de Bond, they did uh, Speed. And this was the movie that put Mark on the map with that incredibly energetic, kinetic, adrenaline pumping score. And obviously, he elevated everything the next year on Bad Boys, which is, uh, I would argue, one of the best scores of the 90s, along with, with Speed and Twister. And then in 96, he was just really in his environment successful people were looking for him he had the means the financial support to really get a huge choir and the result is one of the best scores ever put on film and it, it makes me a bit sad and disappointed that he's not really mentioned on the same lists as let's say Bernard Herman or John Williams which are obviously legends, there's no question, but maybe because Mark kind of transitioned in the late 2000s, transitioned to animation, he wasn't as uh, as engaged in these big studio pictures as he was before. And by his own admission, he mentioned in one of the uh, interviews that he didn't really want to do all of those action movies. So... Going back to Twister, obviously I forgot to mention before Twister, the same year that he did Bad Boys, he also did Assassins and another personal favorite of mine, Fair Game. Andrew Sipes directed Fair Game, Cindy Crawford, William Baldwin, uh, just one of the classic action pictures of the 90s, which also contains arguably one of the greatest car chases ever. And accompanied by Mark Mancina's amazing score, you get a winner. So back to Twister. It's that's core. I still have it on my phone. I literally play it every other day when I'm walking outside or I'm exercising. It's just the epitome of 
an incredibly energetic, beautiful, just beautiful adventure score. It drives the energy. It's, it's your adrenaline just pumps every time you hear it. And uh, again, I'm not going to do a review, a review of the score, but at least as far as I'm concerned, that score is one of the main reasons why the movie works so well for me. I'm not taking away anything from Jan de Bond. I, and I, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't give him the credit that he deserves. Now, for whatever reason, he didn't end up directing for a lot of years after 2003 and Lara Croft too. But what he did with Twister, with Speed, it's monumental. These are classic, classic movies that, again, I'm sure there are people who don't like them, right? As I always say, we have to be objective. We have always have to be objective. We should never act like, oh, this is a classic movie or, oh, it's The Godfather. It means everyone likes it, right? So let's treat it that way. Let's not even consider the people who don't like it. No, we should consider all of the opinions. We should be respectful of all of the opinions. So yeah, I'm sure there are people who don't like those movies. That's perfectly fine. But I'm glad that among the fans of the movie, the movie was really elevated to cult status, classic status. Uh, I'm talking about Twister, obviously. So I was for a long period of time when the movie came out and after that, I remember because obviously there was always a conversation for of a of a sequel. It was it made over it made close to half a billion worldwide. And guys, remember this is those are the days before IMAX, before 3D. And uh, I don't even know what's the final tally at this point if we count inflation. But either way, the movie was a giant hit, and it continued to be successful on home video. It was uh, it was one of the first DVDs, or if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the first DVD, the first movie to be released on DVD. And it's just, it's, it's a classic example in it. And of course, of course, as a fan of the movie, it makes me feel good. It's a classic example of a movie that succeeded. Now, I'm well aware that now all of the critics liked it and all of that and those Razzie Awards. I get it, I get all of that. Good for them, right? But uh, this is not my opinion. I disagree with those people, but I certainly respect their opinions. So about the sequel, obviously there was a conversation about a sequel immediately. And I remember throughout the years, there was a lot of talk about a sequel. One reason or another, it didn't happen. But a few years ago, the talk started. And that's the, the part that makes me sad. It's around 2017 when we lost Bill Paxton. There was, again, talk about a sequel. And I remember even he gave an interview and he was, he was ready for it. He was there. I clearly remember him being excited about that. And when he passed away, now obviously I'm not just sad about it because he didn't get to make a freaking sequel. It's about a human's life. I'm just unhappy that he's not with us because... According to all accounts, he was just one of the nicest guys. Funny, funny guy, complete professional, and just always likable on the screen and off the screen. So that's the big tragedy. And obviously one of the things that also made me sad is that I remember thinking, oh, they're, they're gonna make a sequel one day, but we're not gonna see him. And that made me sad. Now, there was this talk uh, a few years ago that Helen Hunt with another writer or producer, she pitched an idea actually to the studio, but it was not, I guess, approved. I don't, I don't really have any details about that, but it didn't work for whatever reason. And then the studio, they just started on their own working on the, on the sequel. And I would say relatively quietly, they were able to make the movie, to shoot the movie. And that's what leads us to Twisters, Twister 2. It'll be released July 19th, guys, of this year. So clearly, clearly they're expecting a summer event, summer spectacle. And I know I'm going to be there. And I've already heard because, again, it's part of the research, part of this platform. My job is, whether I like it or not, to gather, to, to research, to see all kinds of reactions from every single angle every single angle of the internet, all of the kinds of complaints that people might have or why people are excited about a movie. 
So this is my job as a host of the podcast and as the founder of Cinematic Ventures, to be able to present all of the points of view and to say, in my opinion, how I see things, why we should be excited for the movie. So if you're not excited for the sequel, hopefully when you finish with this episode in a few minutes, you will be like, okay, so there were there are some people here that have been involved in a lot of movies that I like, so I want to give this give this a shot. I don't want to be the snarky guy who always, who always complains. So basically, I will name this section of the podcast why you should see this movie. And I'm going to use facts. I'm not going to use just my opinion. Obviously, obviously, when we talk about cinema, a lot of it is an opinion. But there's also a lot of facts about, for example, who are the people who are working on a movie? What have they done before? And when you, when people see that a lot of people who work on a certain movie, they have experience on movies that the viewers themselves are passionate, are fans of it. They will say, oh, this cinematographer worked on this movie that I really like. Okay, I might be more open to see this movie that I was making fun of online. Because I don't think the cinematographer will work on something that uh, I'm not going to really like. These are professionals. I'm sure they're going to work on something that they really want to do a good job on. So yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. And that's what I'm trying to do, guys. So why I think you should see Twisters. Again, I haven't seen a movie. I've only seen the trailer. I don't work for the studio. No connections whatsoever. It's just keeping up with the motto of Cinematic Ventures. Let's be a little bit more positive. Let's spread a little bit of more excitement, positive excitement, positivity in general. So why? Why we should see Twisters? If you're a fan of the first movie, I think you're going to appreciate the fact that behind the scenes, aside from the actors, now from the actors we have, let's mention it because the actors, they're always the front line. People see them, they talk about them, so you can easily see all of that in the trailer. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the actors. As I mentioned before, with this platform, with the podcast, I try to shine light on people behind the camera, people who are crucial to the actual movie, to the actual uh, finished product, sometimes even more important than the actors. So I want to focus on those people, people behind the camera. And hopefully that information will make you a little bit more excited about the movie or a little less cynical about the movie. So let's quickly go through some of the actors. We have Glenn Powell, who I'm very happy for Glenn, actually. I'm very, very happy because I remember seeing him in the Screen Queens uh, TV series from a few years ago. And uh, I remember liking him like he was great. He was he was he was great. And I remember thinking he should be bigger. Obviously, he was in the uh, Expendables 3 as well. And uh, then for him, it was the big break. It was Top Gun Maverick. So ever since that movie, he he's now a bona fide movie star. And I'm glad for him. I'm happy for him. Uh, he's one of those actors that are confident on the screen. And uh, I like that. I like confidence in actors because you don't really feel the acting. You're thinking like, oh, like he is just there, but just being himself, right? So kind of like I remember like uh, Shia LaBeouf, for example. So I like Glenn Powell. I'm, I'm happy that he's in this movie. And I, again, we don't know much about it. Now, the big question is, there's been these rumors Oh, are we going to see like a CG version of Bill Paxton? Because now I guess this is doable, right? And we've seen in a couple of movies of actors who are sadly no longer with us, but through technology, they're able to bring them back even for just a few seconds. Now, are they going to do that? Now, I don't think that this is a movie that necessarily needs that. Maybe there will be some sort of um, uh, like a flashback scene, like memory with Bill. Um, about Helen Hunt, that's a big question. And personally, personally, I could be way off the line, like uh, like completely wrong. Personally, I have a feeling that she's going to make at least a cameo in the movie. But they're just hiding it, rightfully so. Maybe they're going to 
reveal it in the last trailer before the release or something. Maybe it's part of the marketing campaign, but I have this feeling that she will actually show up in the movie. Now, uh, she's not listed on IMDb, so I don't know if there were any rumors that she would be back and I missed them. Uh, from as far as I know, she's not officially part of the cast because they're calling it some sort of um, uh, an update. I think the official description that you would find online, it says an update of a 1996 Twister. Now, what does that mean? Uh, I think it's kind of like, I think it'll be the same universe as the first movie, and it'll be kind of like the new Scream movies. It's the same universe, and it's just a continuation. Now, are these children of, of, of the characters that we saw from the first movie, Bill, Joe, Bill and Joe? Uh, we don't know. I don't know yet. But it'll be interesting to see. But I certainly have a feeling that we are going to see Helen Hunt showing up in the movie. I really have that feeling, even if it's just briefly, even if it's just fan service. Uh, I, I, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to enjoy the movie if she's not in it or any of the other actors. Now, I would love to see all of the other great, great actors and characters from the first movie. Alan Ruck, of course. Uh, obviously, we're not going to see Dusty, Phyllis Seymour Hoffman, may he rest in peace. Just... Just an incredible character, fun, and uh, but quite a few characters. Now, Jamie Gertz, are we going to see her? I don't know. I don't know. But she was fun in the first movie, so definitely she will be a welcome addition, always. But as far as the other actors are concerned, a lot of the other actors are uh, like up-and-comers actors. But another actor that I actually made an episode, we made an episode a few weeks back about one of the movies uh, that came out on Amazon Prime a few months ago, Totally Killer. And we talked about Kiernan Shipka. Hopefully I'm pronouncing her name right. And when I saw that she was in Twisters, I was like, that's a great choice. That's a great choice. So if you guys, if you still haven't seen Totally Killer, and if you're not excited about the cast of the new Twister, definitely check her, Kiernan, in Totally Killer. Just check that movie if you have Amazon Prime and you will absolutely be much more positive when it comes to the cast of the new Twister. And I just want to remind certain folks who are, because again, from my research online, there were some people who complained about the cast and all of that. They were calling again the usual, I guess, complaint, unfortunately, that we see online, especially on Twitter is, oh, it's like a woke cast, like diversity and all of that which I see nothing wrong with that. We've seen diversity in movies since forever, right? But let's not get into that. Fact of the matter is, if you look back and a lot of the people who are criticizing the, the cast of the new movie were probably just babies or, or were not even born when the first movie came out. But when the first Twister came out, Bill was obviously a familiar face. Helen, she had a successful TV show as well with Paul Reiser. So they were familiar faces, but they were not movie stars by any stretch of the imagination. And this is not taking anything away from them as performers. They're amazing. But it was not a movie with movie stars. It was a movie with character actors and obviously the big spectacle of the twister. And the movie still succeeded. It still succeeded. You, didn't, you did not need Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt to lead the movie in order to be successful. So in the same way, we're in a similar situation. A lot of those guys that we have here, they're not huge, huge international stars. They're younger ones. And we should be, again, going back to the beginning, we should be a bit more positive and not go with preconceived notions. We should go in with an open mind and say, okay, that's a new cast. A lot of those actors I've never heard of, even though we have Anthony Ramos, who was in the last Transformers movie. So he's pretty familiar uh, for people at this point. And uh, Maura Tierney, actually, one of the veterans joining the cast as well. So I think it's a pretty eclectic cast. Yes, a lot of the, of the actors I'm personally not super familiar with, but that's in a way the exciting part, that you're not looking at movie stars. You're looking at actors who would hopefully absolutely blend into the environment of the movie like it happened with the first Twister. So about the cast, I am definitely optimistic 
because in a way it reminds me of the first movie. It's not something we haven't seen before. It's not something shocking. So let's continue with the director. Now, Lee Isaac Chung, he directed Minari a few years ago, and he definitely got really popular and got recognition with uh, a few Star, Star Wars shows, The Mandalorian as well. He directed a few episodes. And in the beginning, some people were surprised why he, like, he doesn't look like an obvious choice because Jan de Bond, when he was chosen for Twister, people are like, oh yeah, the speed guy, of course, of course. Like, it's a movie about chasing tornadoes and you have the speed guy. The movie all about chasing and speed and energy. Perfect mix. But I think this one, because one of the exec producers of Twister, the original Twister and the sequel, that's another reason on why you should watch the movie, is Kathleen Kennedy. Now, I know the reputation that she has among certain uh, Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans don't really like her because for whatever reason they see her as the force who destroy the new Star Wars movies. Now, we've heard all of this. I'm not going to get into that. Fact of the matter is she is one of the most successful, recognizable, talented producers in Hollywood history. Like her IMDb is like legendary movie after legendary movie. So she was involved. She was one of the producers of the first Twister and she is back as a producer on the second one. So that's, here's another very good reason to be excited about the movie because you actually have the original crew. Now, it's not the same director. I get it. I would love to see Yandabon back. But again, it's been almost 30 years since the first movie. And of course, of course, you want to give chance to the new generation of filmmakers. So Lee Isaac Chung, he was obviously involved with the Star Wars shows, The Mandalorian, and Kathleen Kennedy is a producer on those, on the movies as well. So he was already in um, uh, connected to the Kennedy Empire. So clearly they he had a pitch, and clearly they already had an established relationship. So they saw him as a perfect pitch, and I'm glad. I'm glad. So I'm definitely excited about that. Now. Michael Crichton actually uh, did the screenplay for the first movie. Now, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. So we have Mark Smith, the writer of the movie. And he is really, really popular with uh, The Revenant. That's really, I think at this point, his most popular movie. So if you like The Revenant and it's a huge Oscar movie and a, a lot of hype around that movie, here's another reason. They should be excited for Twisters too. You have the writer of The Revenant, which means it's not just a guy who just came out of, out of film school and this is the first project. Jumping to the producers, it's interesting. The aforementioned Kathleen Kennedy, but we also have Frank Marshall, who also produced the first movie. He's also back. And we know if you're a film fan, dedicated film fan, there's no point for me to mention any of his movies. You know very well who Frank Marshall is, another Hollywood legend. And... We also have Spielberg himself. Now, now, not a lot of people actually remember that, but Spielberg, this is an Amblin Entertainment production. The original movie and the second movie. Yes, guys, it is the same studio, the same studios, Universal and Warner and Amblin are working together. They worked together on the first movie. They're working again on the second one. So you know that the driving forces behind the first movie, they're back the studios. Spielberg is back as an executive producer. I know you could argue, oh, it's just his name. He was not really involved. But the truth is, if you ask people who had worked on Spielberg produced productions, movies, even as an executive producer, he is engaged. And Twister is a ground, the original Twister is really a groundbreaking blockbuster. And he was involved, definitely. And he was in the years following the movie. He was really proud of the movie multiple times. So this is one good reason to be excited about the sequels because you have Spielberg back. You have Amblin back. This is an Amblin production. I'm saying it again. And for those people who miss the Amblin movies from the 80s and early 90s, those magical Amblin movies, well, here's a chance of getting another one. This could very well be another good addition to the list. So this is another good reason to see the movie. 
the producers. Now, let's jump to the DP, director of photography, cinematographer, Dan Mendel, or Dan Mendel, depending, uh, depending who you ask. And personally, one of my favorite DPs, I'm a huge fan of cinematography, I love camera work, so I can talk a lot about Dan. And he, uh, he emerged, he really exploded onto the scene with Enemy of the State, Tony Scott, Will Smith from 98. It's just the kinetic, energetic camera work. Awesome work. So he worked with, uh, with Tony Scott and then he started working with J.J. Abrams. He did Star Wars, he did Star Trek, he did Mission Impossible 3. So he, he is well versed, like his experience on blockbuster movies and creating energy and fast moving camera and just beautiful camera work that really, really gets the adrenaline pumping and it never, it never feels boring or just overly staged. He's great. Dan Mendel is, I think, an awesome addition. Actually, that was one of the, the first name that I saw when I was reading the credits of Twisters. I was like, Dan Mendel, take my money. That's it. So when you have such an experience, DP, with blockbusters, and it brings me back to something that John Schwartzman said. Uh, if you're a fan of movies, I'm sure you've heard of John Schwartzman. Obviously, he did Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, The Rock, like these iconic, huge blockbusters. And uh, he said something that it's, it's pretty much, I think, pretty valid for this. He said a lot of studios are basically saddling up a younger director or someone who's not very experienced with major motion picture blockbusters like over 100 million they always put him together with an experienced dp and in this case you have this example you have the young director who is he has experience with uh with the mandalorian and uh and other tv series but this is really his first big big motion picture like uh, the budget i believe of twister is like close to 200 million dollars so what do you do in that situation you put next to the director a very experienced veteran DP because that's the guy who would lead everything. And you need this kind of guy like Dan Mandel. So I'm, I'm very, very excited. And looking at the trailer, there's some incredible shots that I'm very excited about. And I'm sure he will deliver. So there it is, guys. If you love visuals, if you love cinematography, one of the best in the blockbuster business is working on Twisters. The next one, the next stop that I wanna uh, that I wanna focus on, it is the editor, and in this case, the editor is not really someone that people know very much. Now, the name is Terrilyn Shropshire. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing it right. But she actually did. She she worked on a lot of independent movies, but she did The Old Guard, the Charlize Theron movie. And when I watched the movie, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was very well edited. The energy of the movie was well edited. So I'm definitely excited just based on this work that she did on that movie. I'm definitely excited for, uh, for her work on, uh, on Twisters. Now, yes, it's not Michael Ken, the legendary Michael Ken, who obviously we know is Spielberg's editor. He edited the first Twister. Now... Yes, it would have been great to see, oh, Michael Cann is back, that's amazing. Or Jack Green, the original DP, cinematographer of the first movie. But these new replacements, if we can call them that way, I think are talented, experienced enough, and I think combining their forces together, we're going to have one great adventure. So I can cover all of that. I could cover the stunt team, for example. And let me mention it because this is really, really important. The second unit director of Twisters. And again, this is something, guys, that pretty much no one pays attention to. All of the YouTube channels and the film and the film podcasts, they're, they're focusing on very surface level details. Like, who's the actor? Who's the director? Screenplay? That's as far as a lot of people go. But to really understand and appreciate and be excited about a movie, when you hear about the behind-the-scenes team, the people, the stuntmen, the editors, the composers, the DPs, the cinematographers, the A camera operator, steady cam operator. Yes, I realize most people don't don't give a rat's ass about that, but you should. You should. Because a lot of movies that 
on the surface, you're like, I'm not going to be interested in that movie. If you dig deep a little bit, and it doesn't take much, just open the credits on IMDb or Wikipedia. You're going to discover people involved in certain movies that you're like, wow, like four of those key people behind the camera, they worked on my favorite movie. So let me give this a shot. At least I know that this is really, really cream of the crop, creme de la creme, like the best of the best. So I will give this at least a chance. Doesn't mean I will love it. It's 50-50. I may love it or may not, but at least I will give it a shot. I'm not going to disqualify it or just cancel it because I don't like the main actor. So the second unit director of Twisters is Mike Gunther. You can Google him, guys. And when you see his credits, you're going to be like, wow, we're in for a big show for big action sequences, well choreographed, well staged, well performed. Because uh, it's 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 almost funny to mention some of the movies he, he had worked on. Everything from Star Trek to Fast and Furious to all of the Transformers movies. One way or another, either as a stunt driver, stunt performer, or stunt coordinator, or a second unit director, Mike Gunter was involved. And when I saw that, when I was doing uh, just my personal research for Twisters, when I saw that name, I was like, that's a great choice. That's a great choice. He is really one of the best. He's been involved in some of the most iconic blockbusters of the last 20 years. And again, I'm saying it again, guys. It's not a guarantee that you will absolutely love Twisters or any movie, right? But it's definitely an added bonus when you know that people who had worked so hard on so many iconic movies are also involved in this upcoming movie. So these are my couple of reasons. I can extend for hours even, but these are a few reasons behind the scenes, people, a few reasons as to why I think you should check out Twisters. Even if you're left underwhelmed by the trailer, you don't like the cast and all of this, just go and just check all of the people that I mentioned. Check the people behind the scenes. ILM is back doing the CGI for the movie. They already shared the trailer on their Instagram page. You can go ahead and check it out and follow them as well. So considering that's been almost 30 years, my God, 30 years since the first movie, the fact that such a huge number of the original players, of the people who worked on the original, that are responsible for the original to be such an iconic movie. The very fact that they're back at least guarantees you that you're not going to see something that's done with disrespect or complete lack of aware awareness of the first movie. So I'm sure, I'm sure they have something good up in their sleeve. And personally, I'm very excited. I hope I enjoy the movie and I hope... Most people enjoy the movie. There will always be people who are disappointed. You can't please everyone. That's just impossible, right? But as I've said it before, guys, go with an open mind. Be a bit more positive. Hopefully this, this little list that I made and uh, talked about in the last few minutes made you a little bit more excited about the movie when you heard a little bit more about all of those people. Hopefully, hopefully. And uh, hopefully you'll give this movie a chance in the movie theater. I certainly will. And um, I'm excited to talk about it when it's finally released. We'll certainly make a big episode because, yes, I get it. As I mentioned again, it's not the most anticipated movie across the board uh, about people. But certainly for me, and I'm sure for a lot of other people, it's also a very, very anticipated movie. And I want to see it succeeding. Yes, it's an expensive one, $200 million, but uh, it's coming up in July, so it's shaping up to be a very, very big event. So I'm definitely excited for that. And with that in mind, guys, we're almost at the end of the episode. Now, this was a big one. This was a big episode. I thought of making it like 30 minutes, but it's like over an hour now. And uh, apologies if there was a little bit of blabbing, but, but as you can see, I don't do any editing. I don't try to change what I said or or just chop, chop up the episode. No, I just sit in the room, turn on the, the, the microphone, and I record. 
So I think that's a genuine podcasting. You just say it as you feel it. Yeah, sometimes it comes with a little bit of blabbing, repeating stuff, but hey, it comes with the territory. So starting from the beginning, as I mentioned, we have to be a bit more positive about movies. I appreciate what this YouTuber did, Chris, about this little positive video for us to be a little bit more positive and appreciative of filmmakers and just films in general to not thrive on hate and just thinking that this is the the narrative that we should follow and that nothing else exists. No, it's wrong. We should focus on the positive. And with that in mind, I'm also very glad that I was able to share with you a little bit about Twister and why I love the first Twister and how much I miss Bill Paxton and why I'm excited for the second one. So we're going to wait. Hopefully the world is not going to end until July. So we can enjoy the movie. And for the next episode, I'm also thinking about something interesting, surprising for you guys. So so you have a great listen. So it's never boring and it's never a waste of time. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being with Cinematic Ventures. Thank you for listening to me blabbing for the last hour or so. And I will be back with another episode probably at the end of the week. I'll try to do them. Uh, more often and I really should because I love doing this and I love reading the feedback from people and all of the suggestions all of the questions and all of the support thank you so much appreciate it check us check the channel on uh, Instagram check it on YouTube you can see some interesting cool videos and we will be back in the next one Gabriel signing off talk to you soon bye bye